Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Wow, what a difference four days makes in the neighborhood. Here locally, a lot of guys got back in on Sunday and have been pouring the coals to it ever since. The guys up north and, and the guys in the southern part of the state still at a standstill with the rain that they received, pushing some of them to look a lot harder at preventive plant now that June 5th has passed. On these prevent plant acres, we need to have a plan on what we're going to do with those. You know, I know the insurance company doesn't care what you do with them. If you choose to let them grow up in weeds or keep them clean, the check's going to be the same. Letting them grow up in weeds is not an option for you or your neighbor. I had one grower jokingly uh, say, I'm going to let her grow up in weeds and then I'm going to put a sign on it that says I'm in the pollinator program. Because all the fields in the pollinator program around me have pretty much been taken over by weeds. And nobody will know the difference. Well, the problem is we have to farm this ground next year. And letting it go to weeds will create enough seed bank to last us for 20 years. Now we can use horizontal tillage and take these weeds out and keep them out. But this won't be a one pass done and deal. It'll be multiple passes throughout the season. Tillage will lead to erosion by wind and rain as well as degrading the soil's health. In my opinion, this is not a viable option. We can use a combination of mowing and spraying. Once again, well, one mowing or one spraying is not going to do the trick. We're going to have to uh, use them intermittently multiple times. Mowing water hemp will not stop them from going to seed. They'll put seed on even if they're only four inches tall. This is something we've learned here in the alleyways at our Corn College event site. The other option is to clean them up and put a cover out there, and a cover out there to help control the weeds, capture nutrients if they're already applied, protect the soil from erosion, and a potential to build some soil health. Soil that sits fallow all year with nothing growing on it, will be lacking in biological activity when we put it back into a crop next year and it'll, it'll have a slow start to it. I think the best choice to handle these preventive plant acres is to put a cover of some sort on them. Guys that have never dealt with cover crops have been asking what do we plant, where do we source cover crop seed? There are a lot of places that you can get cover crop seed and someone to help you pick what cover to use depending on what it is you would like to accomplish with that cover besides weed control. Now for you guys up north, one supplier we have used in our plots that has been very helpful uh, is Jim and Josh Ift up there at Fairbury. A number of guys are wanting to use a bushel and a half, two bushel of oats as their cover and are asking if we know where to source uh, bulk oats. Where can we get semi-loads or tandem loads of oats uh, for cover? Again, looking for feed oats, not certified and cleaned or bagged oats. One place I know of of sourcing feed oats is the Bellflower Feed Mill in Bellflower. Uh, you can take your trucks and go get the oats, or they can deliver it to you with their bulk trucks into your seed wagons. Now, I'm sure there are many more places uh, to source seed, but those are two that I know of right now. I do recommend seeding these covers with drills or air seeders to get a good stand and get them off and going before it gets too hot uh, and too dry out there. 
This week was a big week in the plots. Like you, the crew has put in some long hours, which I'm very grateful. Plot partners have been very patient with us, and I'm very grateful for that as well. This week, we planted the last teaching block for our soybean college, where we're looking at row spacing, population, variety, and fertilizer uh, applied with the planter to see what mix is going to give us the most pods on these later planted beans. As you all know, our plots are replicated on multiple farms. This year, they will be too. Just some of them will be planted a month later than others. This will make for some pretty interesting comparisons this fall. It'll be interesting as we look at our hybrid plots and see how the yield results looks from some of these plots that are planted 30 days later. I'll go on record to say the yield leaders in these plots will be changing uh, throughout the, the harvest season as far as some of those full season hybrids. It'll be interesting to see how they perform planted in different places 30 days apart. For the fields that were planted early, this week has kicked off what we call the ugly corn week. Fields that looked good last Thursday are turning different shades of yellow and green this Thursday. That's because soil microbes are finally cranking up and triggering the carbon penalty. The past few days is the first time tilled soil smells like tilled soil. That distinct aroma you smell when a field is tilled is given off by soil microbes. Up until this week, it's been more of a sour smell due to lack of oxygen in the soil and hence low microbial activity. This week, finally, the soil is drying out enough to wake up the soil biology. I know you're thinking, my agronomist is weird, he's smelling soil, uh, but I can't help myself. So the return of fresh tilled soil smell is a good thing. It's indicating that our soil is awakening, but it also brings on the carbon penalty as these little critters gobble up everything in sight. We can see in our plots where we applied nitrogen with the planter, big differences in corn growth. Last week it was just height. This week it's height and color as well. Normally we have deeper roots when this kicks in, giving us a little better chance to stay green. But this year with the late planted corn and shallow roots, it's turning even the corn on bean stubble yellow. This is one of the reasons why we suggested to stay with the starter on your planter as it got late. As growers call in, they said, well, how much is the yield hurt? Will, it, will this hurt yield my yellow corn showing up? Well, it will lower yield potential and most likely yield on those G hybrids that flex and girth. Now, some of the fields are actually sulfur and or zinc deficient, which is also caused by the carbon penalty. This is evident by the yellow striping on the corn leaves. Getting a lot of calls and pictures sent in of yellow soybeans, wondering if they have a herbicide issue or a seed treatment issue. These yellow beans are also caught up in the carbon penalty. They will stay pale until they reach V4 and start making their own nitrogen. Some people are seeing this for the first time because, again, of late planted beans. Normally, when the carbon penalty kicks in in the corn, our beans are at a stage where they're making their own nitrogen and we don't show the symptoms. Question has been asked, will the beans I plant this week turn yellow or will this pass by the time they get to V1, V3? 
Well, the answer is yes. They will get pale if they are going into corn stalks. Now, maybe not as bad in beans on beans uh, if we get some mineralization before they get to that V1, V3 stage. So will the yellow beans hurt yield? Not in a normal year. It will slow the growth. They will look like they're standing still for a week, maybe two. In late planting year like this, that will cost us a few nodes of growth and it could show up in yield. We do not have a lot of plots to pull from when we're trying to get a handle on what effect this has, but we do have a lot of plots out this year where we put fertilizer on the beans with the planter and it should create some interesting data this fall. We've been doing service calls for replant on both corn and beans. A lot of these fields were planted in what we called that 80-20 condition, where 80% of the field was fit, 20% wasn't. The fields that I've looked at, I'm going to say right now, it's about 50% of that 20% needs to be replanted. Pest bosses, if you have drones, get them up and get pictures of these holes from the air. Then go visit the holes and make a decision on what to replant. Mark it on the map, on your aerial image map, and then give that to the operator so they know which ones you've designated as needing replanting. In most cases, the original stand is completely gone, which makes the decision of replanting easier and becomes just a drop and plant deal. Pest teams need to be out now getting a good handle on potential replant areas as you're scouting for insects and weeds. We've had some nitrates coming through as the guys uh, are side dressing that 30% that got planted on time. As we would expect, the more rain, the nitrogen application has seen, the more missing nitrogen we have. As you guys pull these samples, do a good assessment of what you think this yield potential is. Look at the uniformity of the stand and come up with what your expected yield potential is. Don't let the coffee shop tell you what your potential is. Remember, yield goals are important in how we assess your nitrogen needs, so be sure to fill it out on the submittal sheets. If you don't, Katie will be giving you a call. Putting down, I don't know, or as much as possible for a yield goal doesn't work in our nitrogen calculator. One thing I, I need to address is something that has passed by me a couple times this week that has me concerned. Growers have been told by a seed salesman that they can broadcast up to 120 pounds of 28% liquid on top of 10-inch tall corn. Please, please don't do this or let your neighbor do this. If you do, you will have refried beans instead of corn. Will corn survive this? Mm, yes, but it'll be seriously set back. Something we don't want this year. My guess is he meant urea and said UAN or it got messed up in translation. You can spread dry urea or ammonium nitrate over the top of corn. You'll get some burn, but it's manageable. There will be no podcast next week. Zachary and I will be going to Canada to work on a trade agreement. We hope to trade some of our time and money for some of their fish. Hopefully, negotiations will go well and we'll come up with a solution that is beneficial for both parties. You'll be in good hands while we're gone. Isaac, Matt, and Eli will handle the agronomy issues, the service calls, and nitrates. Katie and her crew will be working hard at 
getting your soil testing done. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.